my friends will like joke on me and be like, you don't spend any money. You're so frugal. They would try to make it seem like you're not, you're not someone who gives, or you're not someone who spends on uh. the things that matter experiences and things like that. And I was like, I, I can't right now. Literally, yeah. you don't know what my situation is. You don't know what my fears are right now. And I had to start protecting myself from my spending triggers just to find that little boundaries that can make me feel a bit better about my scarcity mindset. And it, honestly, it didn't get better until my financial fears became a reality. My name is Allison Baggerly, creator of Inspire Budget, and I'm on a mission to help women live their best life and reach their money goals. Join me here for inspiring conversations to help you learn more about budgeting, saving money, paying off debt, and investing for your future. You'll be hearing not only from me, but others along the way that have a story and voice to share. Let's dive in. Today's guest is Sirenice Pierce. She is a Latina mom and financial educator. She founded Poised Finance and Lifestyle to help women just like her, millennial women, find a way to manage their finances and lifestyle with poise. By sharing her financial strategies, like the high five banking method, which you'll be hearing more about in this episode, she believes that she can help women build a strong financial foundation that lasts. I personally loved this interview with Sirenice because she doesn't hold back and she's sharing some of the financial fears and some of the financial truths that rocked her world that ultimately led her to be successful and be the person that she is today. So let's not wait any longer. Here is Sirenice Pierce. Welcome, Sirenice. I'm thrilled to have you here on the Inspire Budget Podcast. I know that you and I have worked together in the past. And so when I was launching my podcast and thinking up my dream guest list, you were at the top of it. So welcome. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to talk to you. I always love our interactions. They're always so fun. So it's definitely going to be like a fun little podcast. Episode. I know. I know. <laughs> so I am intrigued and impressed. And I just love your story, your money story. You know, I know that your parents immigrated from the Dominican Republic. And I know that you've had your ups and downs when it comes to finances. Can you share with our listeners just a little bit about your story? Yes. So like you said, my parents came from Dominican Republic and something that's really interesting within that dynamic is that they always tell people, if you're going to build wealth, you either have to start a business, you have to get into real estate or just play baseball. And like, that's like <laughs> the number one way to get out of Dominican Republic and just you know, make a living for yourself to, you know, move your family forward. So I thought it was really interesting that when my dad came to America, after he served his four years in the military, he decided to get into real estate. Real estate, it's a salesman's job. So it goes up and down, really don't know what to expect a lot of the times. So when times were good, you were traveling, we were going out to eat. It was just such a fun moment within our lives. But when times were bad, they were just extremely bad. <laughs> it was like, we would lose our home. The cars were always an issue. We always were having to borrow cars from friends and family, buying used cars that were lemons. And it was always just a very complicated and difficult time. So it kind of scared me a little bit because I was like, wow, okay, when times are good, it seems like everyone's doing good. The whole economy is doing good. 
But secretly, you know, when times are bad, we don't want to put out there that we're not doing well. You know, when you start talking to people, you start realizing a lot of people aren't doing well. Yeah. It's not just people who are in the sales industry that are doing pretty bad. Yeah. So when we got into the 08 recession, when it hit affected our family, my dad sat us down and he told us any moment we can get kicked out of the house, the sheriff mm-hmm. can come and kick us out. Oh my God. The gosh. cars might get repossessed. We really don't have a plan B or a plan C. So we're yeah. kind of just going off luck here. We don't have family close by, so no one can really help us. Mm-hmm. And it just felt overwhelming. And I started kind of getting into this scarcity mindset when it came with to money. I was hoarding it. I was saving it like crazy. I was fighting any opportunity to start working and trying to take care of at least myself so that when I did get into the real world, I was a little bit better prepared. Saving money always helps for yes. sure. So does it change your day-to-day thought about how you feel about money? I would go to the store and I would be so scared to just swipe my credit card or buy anything because I felt like I didn't really know if I can afford it, even though I had a budget. And, you know, they always tell you if you budget, you should know how much you can spend. But I still had that scarcity mindset. I was still fearful that if I spent the money on something that I wanted or I might not have it for something that I need. Yes. And that freaks you out. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm sitting here thinking, it sounds like your childhood was almost like this roller coaster, right? This roller coaster of when it was good, it was really good. And you could see it. You were living it out. Your parents were living it out. And then it was bad. It was just paycheck to paycheck trying to survive. And so I feel like that's, that's gotta play some part in how you react to money, even as an adult. And that's what you exactly what you were saying. It's, it's led to the scarcity mindset. Do you, did you ever feel like there's not more money for me? Or I have to keep this money because I don't know when the next amount is going to come. Is that how you felt? I did. I felt like that. And also just very conservative. My friends will like joke on me and be like, you don't spend any money. You're so frugal. They would try to make it seem like you're not, you're not someone who gives. Or you're not someone who spends on uh. the things that matter experiences and things like that. And I was like, I I can't right now. Literally, you don't know what my situation is. You don't know what my fears are right now. And I had to start protecting myself from my spending triggers just to find that little boundaries that can make me feel a bit better about my scarcity mindset. And honestly, it didn't get better until my financial fears became a reality. Okay. Tell me about that. What do you mean? What are your financial fears and what happened? I need to know. So my financial fear was losing our home. Everything's in there. It's the foundation of your family where you spend the most time. And once once we actually lost the home and the sheriffs came and kicked my mom out in her pajamas and we were told that we went back into the house, we would get arrested. Something came over me, to be honest. How old were you? My mindset, I was probably 19. Okay. Like enough for it to really affect you. You knew what was going on. Yes. And I just felt like I had to become a criminal and break into my own home just to get clothes for work, my books for class, just the bare necessities, my toothbrush, just 
basic things. And I realized that I can't continue down this roller coaster of these ups and downs. Mm -hmm. And there's such dramatic ups and downs. They aren't like up and down little like the stock market. These are like dramatic ups and downs. It's like crypto ups and downs. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And I'm like, you know what? I'm done. I can't continue this. I need to make a change in my life, even if it's super dramatic. And that's when I decided to change my major to finance. And I got into financial planning. So I went very dramatic because my situation felt dramatic to me. And that was like the first time that I felt hopeful that there's strategies, there's systems, there's opportunities for us to not lose it all. Every time there's a correction in the stock market, every time a natural disaster happens. And it just made me feel hopeful that we come here. My parents sacrificed so much to come here. My grandparents sacrificed so much for us to be here. We're trying to live out the American dream that our version of the American dream, right? Right. not losing it all during the process where we have nothing to show for. We want to make sure that we're building wealth and we're setting ourselves up and our children up for the next steps of their lives. And we can't do that if we're all struggling. So we need to kind of make sure we have a strong foundation built up. Yeah, that's kind of what financial planning and learning about budgeting and paying off debt has done for my family. Mm -hmm. So 19 year old Sirenese, you have no place to live. Your family has been kicked out of the house. I'm assuming that, you know, this just 2008 recession just really rocked, rocked your family's world. You decide, okay, I'm changing my major. And then what happens next? Because I know your money story is not over. I'm guessing you go to college you meet your husband, you have a beautiful family. I know this story is not over. So what happened after that? So I decided to save all of my money. I was like a little hoarder (laughs) to saving money. I got the Pell Grant. I want to say, I want to say that that is, I think, a very common reaction and a very human reaction. Because I mean, think about what happened after the Great Depression. You see all these these grandparents who are hoarding money. I know that my grandfather, or not my grandfather, my husband's grandfather, when he died, they found all this money hidden and hoarded in his house in different areas. They would like open up a shoebox and there would be a thousand dollars in cash. So I think that that is a very human reaction to going survival. Through. Yes, it's fight or flight. And girl, you fought and good for you. So anyway, you, you go to college, you decide that you're going to start saving as much money as possible. You're going to hoard it because you have been through tough, tough times. Yes. I even decided when I was in community college to work full time. Wow. Um, So I was trying to balance those things out. And when you're in community college, especially in California, everyone is going to the beach and having just (laughs) a good time. And it's really hard to stay focused on what you have to do. So that was like a lot of peer pressure that I had to deal with on top of trying to save a lot of money so that I can eventually move to LA to go to school continue my education. I struggled still when I was in school in LA. I had two jobs. I worked at Merrill and I worked at the university and I didn't try to figure out how to make my lemon work of a car. It was always breaking down on me and it was very stressful. I was learning a lot of life's lessons that were all on me. They weren't my parents' fault. They weren't the recession. They weren't the government. It was just on me to take a lot of responsibility for my financial future. And that's when I, I finished school. I was really excited about that. And I transitioned back to San Diego. And because of my resume, my work experience, I didn't find it too hard to find a job. Oh, that's good. So that was the positive thing. But I did get my butt kicked a few times, you know, (laughs) trying to figure out what role I wanted to play in the financial industry. And it really bothered me that there weren't a lot of 
people of color that were coming in to get financial advice. A lot yeah. of the women that were coming in were just kind of going whatever their husband decided yep. to do with their finances. Hand it over to the husband. Why should they I just, have to know? Right. They yeah. just signed off on whatever. And it just reminded me of how much of a necessity this is financial literacy is within our community for our youth, for women, for people of color. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't feel like I was accomplishing that. Any any of the companies that I worked at, it didn't matter if it was MetLife, Ameriprise, or Merrill Lynch. It just wasn't being accomplished. Once my husband and I decided to, we paid off our student loans, we cash flowed our wedding. Oh, I, I love decided- it we decided, you know, let's take a risk on ourselves. We've positioned ourselves correctly. We don't have to have a million dollars in the bank to quit our jobs and actually start our own businesses. And I feel like that's very controversial because people are like, well, that's too risky. And I'm like, no, it's a calculated risk. (laughs) We had our emergency fund. We weren't out here crazy. We didn't have student loans. And that that was like big relief and allowed us to just start moving forward in our lives. And what people might not have known about you is that you, because of your past and your history, you aren't going to just take, jump on a move and change something without thinking it through, right? Mm -hmm. Your, your story and what you have gone through with your family allows you, I think, to make more conscious decisions, smart money moves and starting your business. It wasn't on a whim. I'm sure it wasn't like this. Let's hope this works out. I mean, you probably had, I'm guessing a lot of money saved as this safety net. Yes. And I think a lot of people, when they hear you quitting your job and starting a family and trying to start a business and they think that it's just for the moment, but there was a lot of small moves, like you said, being played out. My husband knew my financial fears. He's like, I cannot have this girl become homeless again. She's going to have uh, a heart attack. <laughs> He's like, I need to make sure that I can realistically turn my side hustle into a full-time, not job, but full-time hours where I'm working 40 to 60 hours. And we weren't really the popular couple. We didn't have extra time to go travel the world or go out to eat with friends and stuff like that. We were really working hard so that we could realistically invest in ourselves. You gotta, yes. Some sacrifice has to happen. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think what I love is that You were silently working in the background. When you come out and say, okay, we're going to quit our jobs. We're going to do this. We're going to do what we love. And we have set ourselves up. People don't see you setting yourself up in the background for years on end. They don't see that because it's not very outward. So anyone who's listening right now, you might be working hard to increase your emergency fund to set yourself up. And then when you do decide to make a change, maybe you decide to go to part-time hours. Maybe you decide to go to a different career, make a different move, buy something, invest in something, people might say, wait, what? I don't know if you, does this, does this math add up? But they haven't seen all the work behind the scenes. And that's what I think that you did so beautifully is you and your husband both, because you're both entrepreneurs, right? Yes. So it's kind of creepy because you're just like both of you guys. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wait, what does your husband do? He does UX, UI, graphic design for fintech and the whole tech industry in Silicon Valley. So he's really made a name for himself. So he's able to kind of transition between different companies and things like that without having to market 
himself mm-hmm. like that. So I think that's yes. something that we don't see as well. So we look at people, we're like, well, I don't see your business card. I don't see your website. I don't see this. <laughs> so you're not doing it right. <laughs> it was like, there's yeah. multiple ways to do something. <laughs> exactly. And part of the way that you guys set yourself up to be able to take these leaps and set yourself up to pay off so much student loan debt was you developed your own, dare I say it, banking method. Your own method to be successful, because I know there are times whenever sometimes you can't just walk in and adopt someone else's method. It's not, we we don't have all these cookie cutter things. That's one thing I think is personal finances is very personal and you made it personal. So tell us about your banking method and why it works. Yes. So during our journey, we were going through a few weird hurdles. When we first moved in together, it was awkward paying bills. I was just sending him money for rent or groceries or like looking at each other kind of weird at the grocery store, like who's going to swipe the card? (laughs) And I was still wanting to spend my life. I spent a lot of money on my lifestyle, wanted to buy nice clothes, get my nails done, all the girly stuff that we kind of always wanted to do now that you have money. And to kind of help us stay focused on our main goal of paying off debt, cash flowing our wedding, saving our emergency fund, which is a lot. We had to create systems for ourselves because we're not perfect. We're never going to be perfect, especially when you're doing so many things at the same time. So we created a system called the Hi-Fi Banking Method, which we didn't know we were doing that when we first right. started. It kind of just developed into it. And it's just a simple way to organize your finances in a clear way to understand it. Because a lot of times when we're trying to manage all of our finances within one checking account and one savings account, it becomes overly complicated and kind of confusing. Even though you have a budget, it's still hard to see because a lot of times we're still used to just the fight or flight type of financial management where we're just looking at our bank account. If we see that we have $500 in our bank account, we're like, oh, okay, we can go out to eat. We have the money. So Except, (laughs) except that sometimes that $500 needs to pay for the electricity electricity bill. It needs to pay pay for gas. It needs to pay for Hulu and Netflix. Those things are coming out before payday. And that's happened to me in the past before I was budgeting because you just assume, right, that this is going to cover everything. Exactly. So to better protect ourselves, instead of just going with the flow and trying to force this situation to work, we created a system for ourselves, which is the Hi-Fi banking method. And it's just a very simple strategy. It's composed of five bank accounts, two checking accounts, and three savings accounts. The first one is for your bills, because we all have bills. We have to make sure we're prioritizing them and paying them on time. Yes, the next that's the checking first checking. Account, <laughs> yes, the first one. The second one is going to be for your lifestyle, because even though we all want to deny it, we all have a lifestyle. And it's okay to have one. We just have to make sure we're putting a cap on it, and we're not overspending or going into credit card debt to maintain a healthy balance for our lifestyle on a month-to-month basis. Now, when it goes to the savings accounts, there's three of them. The first one's your emergency fund, which again, should be our top priority. Mm -hmm. The second one is our long-term goals. And the last one is our short-term goals. I think it's really important, even if you're not in the position to start thinking about short-term and long-term goals, to at least start considering what do you want to do with your money? What are you excited to do? Are you excited to buy a house? Are you excited to go on a road trip to Disneyland? What are the things that are going to make you want to stay on budget and not creep into credit card debt? (laughs) Because, you know, we want to do stuff and we get tempted like, no, I want to do it now though. But can you save for it? Are you positioning yourself that if your car breaks down on the road, on the way to Disneyland, you can still get your car fixed. 
<laughs> oh my gosh. I love it. Here's my question though, for you, you said there's a short term and a long term. What do you, as the creator of this method, what do you identify as like short-term versus long-term? Like is long-term five years plus what, what do you think? I'm a millennial. So anything over five years is like dramatic. I'm just like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> That's a long time. <laughs> That's a long time. So for me, anything less than five years is a long-term goal to me. And anything between 12 months is a short-term goal to me. Because okay. even if you start saving in January for Christmas, it's kind of still within the same year. It's kind of short-term. Yeah. yeah. Long-term, you know, it might take you two to three years to pay off debt. Let's say, for example, or to buy a save to buy a house. And if it takes you five, because something happens, that's okay. It's just your journey. But if it goes to something longer, like hirement, your kids five to a college tuition, that is an extreme long-term goal. And you, know, you want to make sure you have money designated for not early retirement, but specifically when you can't work, when you don't have the opportunity to yes. work or your kids are just newborns and you want to start saving for them to go to college, that's 18 years down the road. You yeah. have time on your side. So yeah. to me, those are extreme long-term goals. Those aren't, that's something I have to really plan for. But like, okay, I don't have to put $2,000 towards my kid's education. I could put a hundred dollars and then bump it up as it gets closer, as it's more realistic to me. <laughs> I'm curious to know, since we're talking about short-term and long-term goals, do you mind sharing one of your short-term goals and one of your long-term savings goals? Yes. One of my short-term goals is going to Disneyland now that everything's <gasps> opening up. I'm yes. hoping that later on in the year, that's a possibility for us. I'm really excited about that. I know my kids, my son's into cars. Oh, we haven't taken them to California Adventures, which they have like Cars Land and all that. So I'm kind of excited. He's already at that age where he'll be like, oh my God, like me McQueen. So, <laughs> that's the best. That's like a priceless moment for me. And then my long-term goal is to buy a house. I I know it's really hard during this time right now and in California it's ridiculous are y'all going you know, to stay in California is that your hope I think so yeah it's really hard because I was born and raised here in Southern California the weather change is like a lot for me I get really scared <laughs> to drive in the rain hurricanes all that stuff creeps me out yeah <laughs> oh hurricanes so me, aren't that big of a deal Oh my gosh. But I'm not used to it at all. I so like my hands are starting to sweat just thinking about it. See, I grew up, I mean, I grew up in the Houston area. So we had hurricanes and it was, I mean, you get so much advance notice that I know a days in advance. You have time to board everything up. It's not a big deal. Like that's how I see it though. I'm scared because of global warming though. Because oh, like yeah. even with that going on, I can tell that San Diego is getting hotter or it's getting colder in the winters. This is kind of different. This like, yeah. you know, you don't really know what to expect now. So I don't know. Someone that's from here, it's hard. I think Chris from Popcorn Finance will agree. He's like, oh, it's so yeah. hard to leave once you're so oh, used to it. I, oh, I know. I know. So, okay. So short-term savings goal. We have Disneyland long-term. We're buying a house. That's awesome. I'd love to ask you the three interview questions that I ask every single guest at the end of the interview, if you don't mind. The first one is, what is one thing on your bucket list that you want to do other than Disneyland? 
Okay. I would actually say to travel all of, do like a road trip up California. I did that when I was a little kid and it was so beautiful. But now that we kind of have like Instagram and we have more different websites that tell you about different little locations, I'm excited to take my kids there and go to different beaches and different areas. The woods are so beautiful up there. Everything is just such a different, it like transitions. California is so big that it goes from forest to super beachy and San Francisco and windy. Then it transitions to another beachy area, but it's like different. So I'm excited to do that road trip. My kids get car sick right now. So we're kind of postponing that until they kind of <laughs> grow up a little bit. I would not take kids when they get car sick on a long road vacation. So maybe, no, couple, exactly. maybe like 10 years or so. I'm pushing oh it God. out. I'm exactly. patient with that one. <laughs> So let's say you have three hours to do whatever you want with no interruptions. What do you choose to do with your time? Now, would this be like end of the world or just like a break from the kids? This is just like a break from the kid. You, you wake up on Saturday. Your husband says, I'm taking the kids for three hours. We'll be back later. See you. Have a good time. What do you do? probably drink some coffee. I love my little Dominican coffee, do some yoga, just relaxing, nothing Mm -hmm. too crazy. And I actually love doing art. So probably do like a painting while they're gone. Something fun. I did like the main painting in my house downstairs and I have Mm -hmm. like all of these canvases just ready to be used. I'm like, I just need some time to do them. (laughs) You do seem very creative. I will say I'm, I'm always so impressed. The third one is, and just finish this sentence, my favorite thing I've ever spent money on is my couch. Your couch. Tell me about this couch. So I'm someone that I believe that you should spend, you shouldn't feel bad for spending on things that you're going to be using a lot, Mm -hmm. especially on a day-to-day basis. Yes. So we bought this feather down couch, which was a mistake because my kids are like vandalizing it, but I really have enjoyed it. It's been so comfortable. I even slept on the couch before I just wake up in the middle of the night. Like what is going on? Uh. (laughs) It's midnight. Okay. (laughs) But I think it is nice to spend on the things that you are going to be using and not feel guilty about it. You're going to be using something here and there that probably isn't the best thing to splurge on or to make a spend a lot of money on. But if it's something that you're going to be using a lot, like your cell phone, your computer, your bed, your couch, kitchenware, if you're going to be cooking a lot, those are things that I don't feel bad for spending a lot of money on. Well, and especially if you know it's going to last you for a long time. Our family, we spent a good amount of money on our couch, more than I've ever spent on a couch before. We plan on it lasting us for eight, nine years. So we're two years in and it looks perfectly new. It's worth it's worth the return on investment. Thank you so much for joining us. Please tell everyone where they can find you and tell them a little bit about your two-minute videos because I think those are just wonderful and so helpful. And I love that they are concise and short. Yes. So I do two minute Q and A's answering questions from the community. It could be about many different topics when it comes to personal finances. It could be budgeting, debt, lifestyle, how to keep that those costs down, even meal prep. I've got, I've gone pretty broad here. You cover it all. <laughs> I cover it all as much as I know what I could relate to. I have these on YouTube, on my Instagram as well, Poise Finance Lifestyle, and also on my website, thepoiselifestyle.com. And I also have a lot of blogs and different types of content that recipes for meal prep and everything like that to really help moms and millennial women find their balance between managing their finances and lifestyle with 
poise. That's kind of the main emphasis that I love about my name. Sometimes we can get overwhelmed trying to do the live our best lives and also being financially responsible. It's really difficult balance to make. So it's really important that we're finding something that's realistic for us and we're not overwhelming ourselves or stressing ourselves. So that's probably the main type of content that I make. And I'm excited to do it because that's something that I can relate to. I know a lot of other women can probably relate to that as well. Oh, yes. Yes. So thank you so much. I'll link to all of that below. If you're on Instagram, you need to go follow Sirenese because she, I don't know what it is you're doing on Friday nights with all these food platters. She makes the most incredible food platters and she shares them and it's for her family. And I'm like, um, can I come visit too? And can you make these incredible food platters for me too? Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. Appetizer Friday. That is the funnest day of the week. It's so fun. It's budget friendly, family friendly, and keeps everything still fun. Okay. So when I come visit, I'll fly in on a Thursday then. Does that sound good? Yes. There we go. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) Oh, thank you for joining me, Sirenese. I really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you. Well, there you have it. Another episode of the Inspire Budget Podcast. This one might be one of my favorites just because Sirenese is so fun to talk to. And I think that her story is just one that is inspiring and incredible. Ultimately, I hope that these podcast interviews help you live your best life and reach your money goals. Bye for now.